The following is a hoop ball presentation. What is up, Clipper Nation and hoop ball fans? This is the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. I am Brandon Marcus, your host for the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. I'll be with you throughout the entire off season, the entire season, into the playoffs, and hopefully during the NBA Finals. Boy, am I excited for this season. We are going to talk today to Brian Seaman, the voice of the Los Angeles Clippers. An incredible debut episode. We get a chance to talk to Brian about him getting that TV play-by-play job, what got him to this point, his thoughts on the Clippers coming up this 2019-2020 season. It's going to be phenomenal. But first, A little introduction to who I am. My name is Brandon Marcus. I am based here in Los Angeles. Been a Clippers fan, actually, for a long time. Don't go ahead and call me a bandwagon fan, because I am not. You can go ahead to my childhood bedroom, and you will see a Clippers signed jersey of Darius Miles, Ellen Brand, and Corey Maggetti. Yes, you heard that correctly. Those three guys were studs when I was a Clippers fan back in the early 2000s. I'm a short guy, not that short, but still, I was a guard back in, you know, the glory days of playing pickup hoops when I was 9 or 10 years old, idolized guys like Earl Boykins, who ended up on the Clippers, Jeff McGinnis, I was actually at the game where he got his first, and I'm assuming his only triple-double, I can't say that for sure, but I got that autograph right after he came off the court, he signed it with just a J, that's all he did, just a J, but man, it was awesome, and this team has been through its ups and downs, no doubt about it. I mean, you look at the early days, this team with Mike Dunleavy was not great, for sure. 2006 was great that year with Baron Davis. You thought, for sure, the Clippers and the Lakers were on even playing fields at that point. But then things obviously did not go great. The Donald Sterling era came to an end. Steve Ballmer took over. And boy, this team has really taken off since Ballmer took over. You got Doc Rivers. As the head coach, he's done a tremendous job. I know people were calling for his head a couple of years ago because the whole Blake CP DJ era was not working and those guys were not bringing an NBA title, which frankly, those guys are good enough, but we've seen that they're just so close and yet so far and chemistry-wise, it's so important for these guys to be on the same page and frankly, they weren't. Um, And Chris Paul obviously has been traded since. Uh, He went to Houston and now, of course, gets a chance to be traded for Russell Westbrook. So who would have thought that was going to happen? Uh, now, though, you got a team that is coming off an incredible season. Frankly, last year's team was one of the more exciting teams that I got a chance to watch. They had that grit and grind, that Memphis style of just hustle, playing good defense, and fighting for one another. Numerous comebacks from 20 points down. The team did not give up. You saw that in the playoffs against the Warriors, coming back and winning a game at Oracle. Uh, An incredible team. But now, of course, you add Kawhi, you add PG, and you have a team that is built to win an NBA title. And give credit to Steve Ballmer. He's a guy that is putting everything into this team. People were worried he might move the team to Seattle. But now, of course, you saw those renderings last week that were put out of the new stadium that's going to be built, hopefully, in Inglewood uh, next to the Rams and Chargers Stadium. It looks beautiful. Going to provide a lot of jobs for Inglewood residents, which I know people were worried about since it's taking up a lot of real estate over there. Uh, but boy, if this team can get an NBA title in the next couple of years at PG and Kawhi, move into a new arena, this will always be a Lakers town. I'll be honest. I'm a guy that grew up here. Um, I was a fan during the early Kobe and Shaq years. So no doubt this will always be a Lakers town. But 
you do have a chance to get 1A, 1B here. You do have a chance to get the Clippers right up there with the Lakers. This town is all about winning. And if you bring a winner to this town, I truly believe that the Clippers will sell out all their games and you will have the buzz all over the city of Los Angeles and frankly all over the Southern California area, extended all the way down to San Diego, where of course the Clippers know that area very well. Not going to talk a whole lot before we go into Brian. Uh, I really want you guys to hear this conversation. Less of me, more of him will be better for you. But please, do me a favor. Hit me up on Twitter, at BDMarcus, and tell me what you want to hear on this show. Who you want to hear from. What guests do you want on this show? I want this to be a show for you. We're going to obviously be talking about this team throughout the entire season, talking about what's going on week to week. We'll have a ton of different guests throughout the industry that have covered the Clippers, that have covered the NBA. It'll be fun, but I want to hear from you. Tell me who you want to be on, and if you want to be on, you're somebody that covers the Clippers or, frankly, has been around for a long, long time. Hit me up. Let's talk. Uh, I will love to interact with everybody on Twitter. So at BD Marcus is the Twitter handle. And without further ado, let's get into our conversation with Brian Seaman. All right. This guy needs an introduction. Normally, some guests just start talking. I've heard on previous shows, but this guy deserve an in- deserves an introduction. Not only is he probably the biggest Kansas Jayhawks fan that, uh, that you will see, but you have heard him on the airwaves most recently on AM570. There is a rumor going out that he is going to replace Ralph Lawler. He, can know, he cannot confirm or deny that, but he is a man that is not only a tremendous broadcaster, but an even better person, a person I'm lucky to call a friend. His name is Brian Seaman. Brian, what's up? Brandon, it's great to talk to you again. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Boy, what a wild summer. Um, especially for you most recently, you got a chance to MC that press conference that was just surreal. I mean, I got a chance to watch it and I literally watched the entire thing. I, I turned it on in the beginning with Don McLean and Christina Pink where they were introing it. Uh, saw you in that back left corner, I believe it was, just waiting for you to go on stage. And then finally the guys went on stage. I'm curious to, uh, before we get your take on that entire moment, I want to go back a couple of weeks where were you when the PG Kawhi news broke, and when did you find out, and what was your reaction? Uh, well, jubilation, uh, jubilation for sure. I was actually two time zones away. I was on vacation with my family in, in Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, you know the whole process was so drawn out. And I'm just like everybody else; like I, I get my news from Twitter, uh, as, as connected to the team as I am. I actually never ask what's going on. I, you know, I, it just puts the, the front office in a bad spot. It's quite obvious they wouldn't tell me anyway, and I don't say that to be self-deprecating at all. Um, so I literally knew as much as, you know, the most rabid fan that held season tickets, but I'm two time zones away. I'm reading all the rumors. I'm hearing what quote unquote experts and sources are saying. And I got nervous just like everybody else. I'm thinking, boy, um, they've invested a lot of time. They put in a position to put themselves in a position to be, you know, so sought after by free agents. This could be a real, this could really hurt if it doesn't happen. So I go to bed on the night of July 5th. Uh, so it's 1230 my time when the actual news breaks, but I wake up at 530 and I check Twitter. And the first thing I saw was a tweet from Danilo Gallinari saying, you know, I think somebody to the effect like it's been real. It's been great. And I love Gallo. He was such a great guy and was so helpful to the team this year. But when he was traded, I didn't see where he was traded to. And I didn't know who he was traded to. I knew that it meant that we got Kawhi. I don't know how I knew that. I just knew that they got a second star to pair with them. And of course, 
anytime I see a rumor that's floating around in the NBA and I want it confirmed, everybody goes to Woj. I was looking for the Woj bomb, and there it was. You know, I look in who they traded for and, and all that stuff, and I went bananas. I was staying in my parents' basement uh, with my wife and my kids, and I woke up and I read, I read the news, and I yelled, we got them. And everybody knew who I was talking about. It was pretty great, and we had a great day that day and have had nothing but great days since, man. It, it, it was surreal to read it, and it was one of those things, and I'm sure every other fan felt the same way. Like, you just kept reading all the news. You just It felt like Christmas morning when you're six years old, man. It was awesome, and uh, I still haven't come down from that buzz yet. Yeah, it was a wild moment because I was actually in Denver, and I went to bed just like you did. And I had Woj tweets sent basically as text messages. Whenever he tweets, they alert you. Um, and so yep. I looked at my phone. For some reason, I was like, should I look at my phone? It's 6 a.m. in Denver. I have a wedding that night. I know I'm going to be out late. I'm like, do I look at my phone? Because it's possible that I'll probably end up staying up because I can't fall back asleep. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to look. And all of a sudden, I see 15 like text messages slash tweets from Woj and, and other people like Shams. And I was like, what the hell was going on? And I looked and I saw the Kawhi thing and I just flipped out. I, I turned to my fiance who woke up as I was uh, starting to look at my phone. I said, we got Kawhi. It was basically like, a, forget what movie it was. I'm trying to think. The, the movie where they're doing a fantasy baseball draft. Um, and they go, honey, I got whatever. Now I'm forgetting it and now it's going to sound terrible. But you get what I mean. I, I was pumped. And it was crazy that an organization like the Clippers that has – Frankly, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Clippers in the last 10 years or so have not had a big free agent sign with them because most of the stuff has been done via trade. So for a guy like Kawhi to sign on was just incredible. They've had re-signings, which I thought were uh, a testament to where they were as a franchise. You know, Chris Paul re-signed for a lengthy contract. Yeah. Matt Barnes, J.J. Redick, but no, no, no player had chosen to come but that's because they really weren't in a position i think since 2012 i do believe that they've been kind of a a franchise that was viewed by other players as winning but i look at it like different you know i I, you know in 2012 had a player come to me they would have been there for a meal they would have been there for like a, a contract because it was really based around chris blake and deandre and now you're coming for the long haul because you understand that all talent cycles will go through the one in 2012 whenever it ended i kind of felt like based off of previous leadership in quotes um it was going to be short-lived but now it's an eternal flame of optimism and that's what everybody they always ask me what the biggest difference is with ownership between sterling and balmer and to me it's i always will believe when steve balmer is the owner you're going to be one move away or in the position to win a title or one move away much like the clippers were this past season you just felt the optimism and um, it's a great spot. But, yes, this is, to me, the first really massive signing. We could throw Baron Davis in there back in 2008. Yep. Uh, needless to say, we're all hoping it pans out a little bit better than it did with Baron in 2008. But it was still a nice signing. Um, but this is, this, is, this is a different world. And, you know, to juxtapose the two signings, so Baron Davis, who, by, by all accounts, and, and mine included, he was very nice to deal with, always thoughtful, and he's super intelligent, uh, very, very smart guy. His interviews were always very good. But uh, his his press conference was done in the Staples Center media dining room, right? They probably had 50 chairs filled out and maybe, you know, 25 people showed, and that's a lot. Um, you fast forward now uh, 11 years, and there were 20 
different cameras and networks reporting on this. There were 300 people in that gym. I mean, it was really amazing. So the times, they are changing, my friends, and it was very evident last week. Let's talk about the press conference because it was wild to watch something like that because you're introducing two stars here in Los Angeles. This is obviously an enormous basketball town that has been all over the Lakers, but for the Clippers to get two guys like Kawhi and PG, what was the atmosphere like there, and what was it like being with those two guys? I'm sure you didn't get a chance to talk to them much, but nonetheless, what was it like being in the same just area and the vibes that they were giving off? It was uh, pretty, it was just crazy is the only, you know, elementary word that I could use for it. I was, I was also a little nervous. I mean, it was a pretty large event for the Clippers and I'm emceeing it as, as much as I've been on radio and I've done television. I mean, you know, it, it, nothing prepares you when you actually see the audience you're talking to. So I was a little nervous. So I tried to stay in my own world, but uh, I get called over by uh, the PR team and they said, Hey, we're going to meet in the green room and go over some stuff. And in the green room, it's probably the size of just a normal room. It wasn't big at all. There was catering in there. And I, I sit down, and it's just so chill. But I look across the room, and there's Kawhi Leonard just chatting it up, like chilling out, chatting it up, smiling, laughing. We got a really good look into his personality. I, I've always wondered what he was like. Everybody said he's a pretty fun guy. They've even got T-shirts that say that. But he really was, man. He was. I thought he was amazing. Paul George showed up late. I was already on stage by that time. But – the atmosphere in that room was, it was, you know, there were some season ticket holders that came to that and some sponsors that came to that and like people that really truly loved the Clippers. And, and it was just, everybody was still in disbelief. Like they just couldn't believe that this was happening. And, you know, and you're part of this group too, fans that just, you know, they were tortured souls for so long. And now it's a, it really is a real organization. And, you know, this is probably never going to be a quote unquote Clipper town. You know, I'm happy to say that. I don't really care. Nobody cares. If you told the Clippers are going to win five titles in the next, whatever, 10 to 15 years, or they could be a Clipper town, they're all going to take the titles. No one, no one would say otherwise. But, you know, it's going to be a great rivalry going forward. And I think that, you know, the Clippers have taken a giant step away from that kind of view that everybody has from them. And I think it will be complete. You know, should they win a title, it'll be cemented for sure when they get their own arena. And you're going to have two powerhouse basketball teams here in Southern California, the Lakers and the Clippers, and it's going to be awesome. What was your biggest takeaway from the press conference? Because one thing that kind of stood out to me, and I'm not sure if you caught this, um, but when Kawhi said, when they're talking about his load management issues, that he was trying to play the entire season. I mean, it seems like the Clippers wouldn't do that. They wouldn't make him play these back-to-backs because he want to try and keep him as healthy as possible. We saw that obviously work pretty well for Toronto and saw how fresh he was towards the playoffs. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from the press conference? Uh, that was, it was all Kawhi. I, I, my ears perked up when he said that, you know, last year he wasn't healthy going into the season, and that's why he only played 60 games. I would imagine that number is going to be 65 to 70. There will still be load management, um, you know, I, I, and I think that's required. Uh, the one thing that this brings into play now is that I get so nervous about injuries, uh, and I haven't had that for the last couple of years because, you know, when you go back to the Chris Blake DeAndre, it wasn't about making the playoffs. It was about winning the whole thing. And now I just get super nervous about injuries. But my takeaway was Kawhi and his personality. You know, I mean, we've seen interviews where he gives kind of monosyllabic answers. You know, it's disinterested. It's just who he is. I don't think he's being a jerk at all. And there are guys that do put out that vibe. But Kawhi steps up to the podium, 
and in the understated tone that he is, I mean, he controlled that room, and it was funny talking about, you know, how he loved Toronto and the Kawhi and Dine, and he took advantage of that, and he doesn't have social media, he didn't have a paragraph to write. I, I thought he was just simply awesome. And then, you know, Paul George, boy, he is he is a cerebral guy, and it was really neat to hear him talk. And, you know, for years, I've always mentioned on the radio, and I only heard one interview that stated that he was a Clipper fan. It, he went off and he named players from those teams, and you could tell that he did follow the Clippers when he was living in Antelope Valley. So, you know, the takeaway was, that, you know, you, we've got two superstars that are pumped to be here. You know, this was a place where you could only get players traded here. You know, that's that seemed like how everybody would play was to be traded here. Uh, Paul George obviously traded by request. Kawhi Leonard signed by choice, and now they have a chance to really do something special. Uh, which is to win here in Los Angeles. Yeah, you bring up the injuries thing, and that's one thing that does worry me a little bit. You give up a guy in Shea that is someone that I know a lot of Clippers fans loved, and there are high hopes around the organization for him, and they really think that his the expectation for him is that he's going to be an all-star at some point. And so to give him up, um, Gallo, you, you kind of knew that that was going to happen eventually, but then obviously all the draft picks for two guys that – have had their injury problems. I mean, you look at Paul George, he just had some problems with both his shoulders, and you obviously need your shoulders to shoot. And for Kawhi, he had the leg issue, and you're trading for two guys. And the the Clipper Brandon from the late 2000s that have seen all the injuries happen to the Clippers whenever something good happens is a little bit concerned. I mean, Am I, do I have a right to be concerned? Because you just get, basically mortgaged your future for the present for two years of these guys, and you don't know what you're going to get. There's always a risk with injury for everybody. Uh, Paul George did, though, play with a shoulder injury last year, 75 games, and still finished top three in the MVP voting. So uh, he says the shoulder is really rehabbing well, and I will take a shoulder injury over a knee injury. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's going to be fine. It's not a joint that you put pressure on every night. Uh, but I say that from afar. Everybody seems to be comfortable with where it is at. Kawhi, you know, two years ago, only playing the nine games. Last year, playing 60 games with load management. Um, you know, they're going to be very careful with these guys. But the one thing the Clippers have done, and they, they seem to do it every year, so I don't know what we're, what incarnation we are, but they keep doubling down. So they keep doubling down on, you know, uh, the medical staff. And they already had a good one back in the day, and now they have a really, really great one. They just hired another strength and conditioning coach and an assistant coach as well for, you know, the players, you know, it's something that you have to be concerned with. You know, you just don't want those wear and tear injuries when you can see those and you can stop those, but somebody rolling up on an ankle, there's just nothing you can do about that. It's just sometimes bad luck and the Clippers have had their fair share, but you know, as they say to break an egg or to make an omelet, you got to break an egg. Giving up Shea was tough, but you're hoping it, you know, in five years, he becomes a Kawhi Leonard or a Paul George. When you can trade for those guys and, and make your window of opportunity right now, I think it's something you have to do. And in years later and decades later, people might see the trade the Clippers executed for Paul George. But I, I think it was a, I think it was absolutely required. And I think Sam Presti did a great job of, of you know, demanding a high price. And I think the Clippers did an incredible job of understanding what's happening. So next year's free agent, next year's free agent class is not very good. It really isn't. Who else could you trade for that has an impact like Paul George? There's not many of those guys available. And if you get Paul George, you're getting Kawhi Leonard. And, and you already know all this, but 
when you look at the landscape next year and two years from now, you're just you're delaying what you want to do right now. And if you have the opportunity, give credit to Lawrence Frank for acquiring all those assets in the cap space and putting this position of culture and Doc Rivers letting these guys play basketball. That's what that's what this is all about. And we can worry about the injuries all we want. It's going to always be there. It was there for Golden State. It's going to be there for Houston. It's going to be there for Milwaukee. You got to live with it. And I'm happy to do that. And it's going to be fun. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, if you would ask somebody that the Clippers can get an NBA title, just one NBA title, and give up all of that, Shea Gildas-Alexander becomes a top five point guard in NBA history, but you get an NBA title, I think most Clipper fans would take the NBA title, as hard as that might be. Uh, by the way, I don't think SGA is going to become a top five point guard in NBA history, but nonetheless, I think it's just an organization that's starved to win, and I think just one title would do so much. Would you agree? I agree. I mean, I, you don't hear anybody complaining in Toronto, right? Like, yeah. you really don't. And they gave up a guy that wanted to be there for his entire career, and DeMar DeRozan, a, a terrific basketball player. But if you told everybody sitting in Jurassic Park and Air Canada Center that, look, we're going to trade this guy, and we're, in return, we're going to get the Larry O'Brien trophy. And we're, Are you up for that? And everyone would say yes. And I, I think the Clippers would do that as well. Now, the Clippers still have to go out and get it done. And it was a real risk for Usai McGurry, and I thought he rolled the dice, and I love that he did it. I love the gamble, um, and I think the Clippers are – but the Clippers are poised to do this more than once. You know, forget the length of contract. If the Clippers – I mean, if they do what they got to do, which they're going to, I mean – I'm not worried about how long Kawhi Leonard is going to be here. I'm not worried about Paul George and how long he's going to be here. So um, the Clippers are in a great spot, and I think they did what they had to do to make their window right here, right now, two MVP candidates in the primes of their careers together with the best bench in NBA history. Sign me up. Easy. It's an easy do. Yeah, I would agree. And I'm not actually concerned um, as much as I was about the whole two-in-one thing, because they're obviously going to opt out. They'll become free agents, I believe, in 2021. I wasn't as concerned about that. I mean, I was concerned, but after watching the press conference and seeing that Paul George actually gave kind of a little dig at the Clippers for not drafting him, it really seems like all along he wanted to be in L.A. and wanted to be with the Clippers. And so I think that he'll be there. And Kawhi, let's not forget that he had a choice here of where he wanted to go. And all along, it seemed like L.A. was a place that he wanted to go. He did not want to go to Toronto, but he was traded there. And now he gets a chance to be close to home, which is where it seems like he wants to be. And I just don't see these two guys going close to home for just two years and then leaving. So I'm actually more optimistic than I was after watching the press conference and seeing how happy those guys actually are here in L.A. Do you think that's the case as well? hundred percent. So I, I talked with some people that were in the know and they just said both players are so happy uh, and, you know, just pumped to be here. And it was great to, it's great to see like people that are close to Kawhi had said that, you know, he's just like relaxed and excited to get going. And uh, I, I'm not at all concerned about it. You know, I really am not. I just know. And see, and so, and then it takes me back to 2012. Okay. So I mentioned that those, Whoever was going to come there was coming for a meal, i.e. a talent cycle, maybe a couple of playoff runs, maybe one contract. Now you're joining an organization that literally from top to bottom is as well run of an organization I think there is in the NBA. Now time is going to prove that, but they haven't done anything yet. But 
if you can come in and watch Steve Ballmer and not get pumped up, knowing full well that this guy's going to do whatever he can to make your life as easy as he can, whether that's bringing in extra players and, and paying the luxury tax when possible, making sure that travel is great, making sure the medical staff is incredible, making sure that you know the practice facility is always you know giving you what you need to do your best. Ballmer's going to do it. And Doc Rivers is going to make sure that he executes a game plan that is player friendly. This is not a, a contract situation for me. This is they are signing in for the long term because there's so much that this organization now provides. Whereas in the past, it was just basketball. You come in and you play and then you're done. Now it's an entire organization that these guys are buying into. And it's a credit to Steve Ballmer, Lawrence Frank and Doc Rivers. Yeah, this team was going towards the 2021 free agency class. I mean, Lawrence Frank admitted that when he was on TV after the press conference, that once Kawhi got dealt, that really sped things up. Their timeline was for 2021 when obviously guys like KD, LeBron, Kawhi all were going to become free agents. Um, And who knows where Giannis will end up. But now you get a chance to go after Kawhi and get PG, and they did it. And so I'll, I'll be curious to see how the next couple of years go. From a basketball fit, how do you like these two guys together? And also, what's your ideal starting lineup, knowing who's on the roster right now? That's a good question. You know, usually when you have two players that are, you know, congruent together, or even you could even use the word redundant, they're both great scorers, incredible defenders, same size, and they can play the same position. You're thinking, well, there's not enough room for those two guys. But this is a different case. Uh, it's not two ball handlers. Like, I thought the fit with Chris and James Harden, it worked in terms of statistically, and they got a lot of wins in the regular season, and they were, you know, a breath away from the NBA Finals. I didn't think it would work. It did. It worked out better than I thought, but I didn't think it was going to. This one, I think everyone would agree. I mean, these guys are going to work really, really well together. And defensively, the Clippers have a chance to be an absolute juggernaut, like one of the best, I think, for sure, in franchise history. That's easy. But we're going to go deeper than that. I think this could be one of the best teams defensively in the NBA when you look at the advanced numbers, you know, individually with Pat Beverly and the two guys that we're talking about. And don't forget Avita Zubac, who I thought was, you know, when he was with the Lakers, you could make the argument, statistically anyway, that he was the best defender on the floor. Like, literally, there were numbers that pointed to that. He's a good rim-protecting kid. I just think there's a lot of positives, you know, for this Clipper team with those two guys as the fit. And, you know, I'm mentioning all the defense and we're not talking about offense because to me, it's a given. And why do I say that? Well, Doc Rivers is the only coach in the last eight years to have a top 10 offensive team. Hmm. Literally, go back to the last two years without an all-star. Golden State, no. Houston, no. You know, all those teams, San Antonio, no. Miami, no. Cleveland, no. It was 100% the only team in the top 10 offensively since Doc Rivers has come in 2013, the Los Angeles Clippers. So it's super impressive. Now, what's the ideal starting lineup? Now, that's a better question, and I don't know if I have an answer for you because you would go Pat at at the 1, you play Kawhi and Paul George at the 2-3, Zubat's at the 5. Now, who do you have at the 4 spot is the question that I don't know yet. Or do you have... You slide Paul George or Kawhi to the four and the three and then put Landry Shamit at the two. I kind of like that because Shamit has so much motion. It'd be like mini J.J. Redick, and I think Doc could do a lot of fun stuff with that. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised because Shamit also is kind of an underrated defender and has point guard capabilities. I'm not Doc Rivers. I'm not in those analytic meetings, so I'm not going to pretend that I know what I'm talking about. It would not surprise me, though, if that's your starting five. 
Yeah, and then you look, you got Shamit, Magruder, Harkless, Trez, Lou. I mean, any of those guys, you can make a case for starting them. But obviously, you're going to have Lou and Trez come off the bench just because how well they worked together last year. But you can make a case for any of those guys starting. So it just shows you the depth on this team. And I know people outside the Clippers are trying to go after them, say they're not as deep as people think. They really are, though. I mean, you can really count on any of 10 guys, I think, throughout the season and even in the playoffs, which is something that you normally can't see, Brian. Now, one guy we didn't mention, a guy that really made a difference in the playoffs, Jermichael Green. Mm-hmm. Um, should, should Zubat struggle or maybe they want to go small for a night? You know, Doc is always amenable to, you know, kind of changing that starting five and go small. Jermichael Green hit 40% from above the arc. He's an elite-level rebounder. When you look at rebounds per minute, he's as tough of a person as they get. Like, players around the league don't mess with that guy. So, listen, let them talk. I always tell my kids that the, the best teller of the truth is time. Time is going to show what this Clipper team is. You and I have empirical evidence over the past year with Lou and Trez and how great that bench was. I don't see any reason why that's going to fall off. You know, Doc doesn't have to stagger his stars, although he can if he wants to. Maybe he will find a reason to do that. But it's entirely possible that Kawhi and Paul George share minutes together almost exclusively, and you let Lou and that kind of, you know, the wrecking ball, the Smith and Wesson that he and Montrez Harrell are, along with those guys that we just mentioned, do their damage as they did last year. I mean, time is the ultimate teller of the truth. I feel very confident in what time is going to tell us this year. And like I said, it's just so exciting to think of all the possibilities of lineups, how they're going to play. You know, is there going to be a breakout star with this group? I should say another breakout star with this group. It's going to be fun to watch. Before we get to a couple of last questions about the basketball side, who do you think is the biggest competitor right now to the Clippers? Looking at what's been done during the offseason, who are you most scared of? You know, I, I – I respect all of them. I really do, you know, and I know the Clippers are currently the Vegas favorites, but no one wins a title in July, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do I do think the Lakers are going to be very tough, and I think, and I say it with, you know, I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, I'm not the typical Clipper person that hates all Lakers and fandom. I respect the fandom. I really do. I love, sometimes I love the blind loyalty because Clipper fans have had it in spades. Otherwise there wouldn't be any Clipper fans that were more than 10 years old. So the blind loyalty, the Laker fans have, God bless you. We are finally in an era though, Brandon, where both teams have the same aspiration and it's never been the case. And the Clippers have been the delinquent in that equation forever, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe the last six years has been different, but now both teams legitimately can say title or bust. And those four nights at Staples Center this season, I think, are going to be as intense as any playoff game that we have seen. And I think it's going to be great. Bragging rights are on the line. All of it matters, though, in the, in the spring and, and, and later in the summer. But those four nights are going to be incredible. I think, personally, the Clippers are the better team. But I never, ever count out LeBron James. So I would say the Lakers, I really do believe that. Curious to see how things happen in Houston. But here's some teams that haven't been talking about or People haven't been talking about enough. Clippers have stolen the thunder the last three weeks, but pay attention to these two teams, Denver and Utah. And I think Utah has a legit shot to get out of the West. If the Clippers aren't careful, if the Clippers aren't healthy, whatever you want to talk about, I can't tell you how much I love the moves that Utah has done. And this is quietly, I think, one of the best front offices in sports, period, to find guys 
that will play in that market. And it's a different world a little bit in Utah. You can't necessarily go out and grab anybody. You've got to be very methodical and very concise about who you're using your picks on and your, and your money on. God bless it, man. And they are going to be a real problem. Quinn Snyder's as good as it gets on the sidelines. So I'm going to say the dark horse is the Utah, or are the Utah Jazz. They're going to be incredible. And the, the Western Conference is no joke, man. The top four, five there, it's no joke. Yeah, I think if you consider that PG maybe is not ready for the start of the season and Kawhi is going to get his minutes monitored, I think it's very possible that Utah or Denver could end up with the most wins in the West, which will be interesting to see because you obviously want to keep LeBron healthier for the Lakers and you want to keep Kawhi and PG healthier for the Clippers. The postseason is what matters. So I think it will be fascinating to see how the regular season plays out and the seeding plays out because the seeding is going to be important. There's no doubt about that. We saw that this past season um, with Houston having to match up with Golden State so early. So I think it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Now, we're sitting here at the end of July, Brian. What does the rest of your summer look like? Because the season won't start till mid-October. So obviously there's preseason. But from a basketball standpoint and preparation standpoint, what does the rest of your summer look like? So August is always a dead month in the NBA. You'll get the occasional signing. And not that these guys aren't impactful players, but these guys are kind of last to fall on the dominoes. There's still some very good names on the board, but by and large, the news has passed, and these you know, franchises know what direction they're going. And for me, personally, about the first week of August, I start to like dig up stories on the players that I think are going to be here for the long haul this season. I start to do some work. I don't like to do it too soon because – uh, you do it like now, like if I start to get really deep into the stats, you forget it. it. I like to have it be top of mind during a show that I'm doing. Um, I typically don't sit there and stare at my notes unless there's a specific number that I need to hit. Uh, but by and large, I just kind of focus on being a dad and taking some relief off my wife, to be honest. She's, uh, she's a single parent of two you know, during the season and, and oftentimes a single parent of three when I'm here in the off season. So I got to mind my P's and Q's. But basketball-wise, I just kind of start looking at stories that I'm going to save and get really ready for preseason, which I believe is going to be in, in, in a tropical paradise as it has been the last couple of years in Honolulu, Hawaii, although I don't believe that it's official yet. So that's basically it. You know, uh, the life of an NBA broadcaster is 100 miles an hour or zero sometimes. And right now I'm kind of closer to zero than I am 100 miles an hour. Are you going to get individual time with the players before the season starts? Because I'm always curious from a preparation standpoint how a lot of broadcasters do it. Because you come up with some stories that not a lot of people have. I mean, obviously anybody can go and Google these players and can look up stories from the newspapers. But to get those really good notes – how much are you able to talk to these guys one-on-one, and will you do that? I, I always do, anytime I can. And I do it a few times during the year as well, um, like for specific sit-downs. I can always go ask a question, you know, and um, and I'll always do that, you know, occasionally during the year. But, I mean, for sit-downs, yes, our PR staff is very, very good about that, and, and most of the players are as well. Uh, one guy that I was not prepared for to be so great was Pat Beverly. Um, and his story is one of my literally all-time favorite stories, and uh, we'll tell it over the time this year about being overseas and giving up a ton of money just to have a shot at playing in the NBA. What keeps him motivated? All these kinds of things. And he is such a—he was such a great—he was a delight to talk to. And it, it's nothing what you would expect his persona to be. But over the years, yes, I sit down with the players. I try to get background information, and you know, a lot of stuff is—you know—I'll do a lot of statistical research, but. 
behind the stat improvement or a stat decline, there's a story. There's something that's happened to make it that way. You know, whether it's DeAndre Jordan's free throw shooting and why it was on the uptick in Dallas or, you know, little things like that. And, and you find out what that particular story is that you can use the statistic to help you get into it. So I, I really love the process of getting ready for a season. I love having stories like that. It's all about, to me, educating uh, not in a pompous way, just letting people understand the players that they root for even more uh, and going beyond just here's what they average on the season, here's what they had last night. I want you to really get to know these players and fall in love with them because their stories, every player has a great one. And it's it's hard to find it because some of them aren't necessarily looking to tell you these stories. Some of them are kind of, and I don't mean this in a negative way, closed off. You know, I used to work in Minnesota. Uh, it was Kevin Garnett's last year there. It was during his first stint. I never got to talk to Garnett, but his story is as good as anybody, how hard he plays. And, and then you get guys like DeAndre Jordan and Jamal Crawford who share everything with you. And you got to find it. There's got to be a trust factor in there. But to me, you know, those stories well beyond statistics are what makes a broadcast go around. And I think that's what fans really remember the most. And little pe- little do people know that you yourself have a story. You were uh, pretty dang close to calling it a quits on the whole broadcasting <laughs> thing, you went from obviously now to Minnesota to the Clippers and from radio and what's rumored being the TV side. So it would be just a tremendous journey for you. And not only do the players have the story, but you do as well. And Brian, we're looking forward to catching up with you throughout the entire season. Um, it's been awesome to chat with you. And hopefully you enjoy the rest of your August and the quiet time because, boy, you're going to have a hell of a ride and a fantastic team to watch this season. I hope we're still talking about uh, last night's game, quote-unquote, in June, if you know what I mean. So we should have a fun year. I'm very much looking forward to it. And one more thing. Before people, before everybody goes, your Twitter, at B Seaman, B-S-I-E-M-A-N. I got to tell you, I'm a little disappointed. You're at about 3,500 followers, and I think Ralph was at 20K. I'm a little disappointed. You got to get that up. I think that's one thing we need to work on. So everybody that's listening, the Hoopball community, and, and all Clippers <laughs> fans, go ahead and follow Brian. And, uh, Brian, you're going to have to step up that Twitter game this season, all right? You're going to need to do it. it. It's, it is a need. I, I say it every year for, the, like, the last seven years. Like, this is the year that I'm going to do something. And then I'll type out a tweet, and I'm like, who cares? Stupid. <laughs> and I'll just delete it. So I'll, I, my, my, I will make a promise to you that I will be much better this year. One final thing before we go. How happy were you when Tiger won the Masters? Oh, uh, we were so we were in San Francisco. It was after Game One, and we were going to practice on Sunday. And everybody was worried about, well, practice is at eleven. I'm like, listen to me, man. We don't have to be there until after the Masters is over. I'm like, no, 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 no. We got to get there. They're going to start early. And I'm like, guarantee you, Doc Rivers is not leaving his hotel room until that is over. And so, sure enough, uh, you know, because the Masters got bumped up early due to inclement weather, mm-hmm. it was as satisfying of a win and probably statistically better. Uh, than the 86 Masters win uh, with Jack Nicklaus, which is my all-time favorite memory in sports. It was awesome. I don't know if we ever see him win another tournament again, and i got to be honest, I don't care. It was worth it. It was a highlight, and it will be one that I remember forever. And hopefully the next highlight is an NBA title for the Clippers. Brian, appreciate your time. Anytime, my friend. And that was Brian Seaman, the voice of the Los Angeles Clippers, at least on the radio side. To be determined on the TV side, but if you believe all the articles that have been written, and folks, I believe them, and Ralph Lawler obviously sent his congratulations via Twitter, 
this is the guy that's going to be on prime ticket this season. So Brian Seaman, incredible guy. We'll have him on throughout the season. No doubt about that. He's someone that I've been able to develop a relationship over the years. The nicest human being in the world. Make sure to give you his time. He is so kind, and he loves to talk Clippers basketball. So don't be worried. We will have him on after the announcement is final. We'll have him on about becoming the TV voice and what led up to it. And we'll obviously talk to him throughout the season about what's going on with the Clippers. And like I said, hit me up at BD Marcus with all those suggestions of who you want on, who do you want to hear from, and also what do you want to hear about? Tell me what players you want to hear about. Do you want to hear a little about Clippers history? What do you want to hear about? Let me know. Hit me up at BD Marcus. All right. This is a hoop ball presentation. I got to tell you guys, we have some good stuff coming down the line at hoop ball throughout the entire season. This Twitter account that you want to follow is at hoop ball clips. That's hoop ball clips. C L I P S. Obviously, hoop ball fantasy is at hoop ball fantasy. And at Hootball Tweets is where you find out some, obviously, the fantasy news you want to see. But we'll have all your Clippers stuff at Hootball Clips throughout the season. Also here at BD Marcus, my Twitter handle. It's been a phenomenal first episode. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Brian Seaman. He is an incredible guy. And also, I am as excited as he am about this season. Because I got to tell you, he is rather about this season. Because this is going to be an incredible 2019 2020 campaign love Paul George love Kawhi they can do so much on both ends of the floor this team is super deep would love to see them get a backup point guard I'll be curious to see how Landry Shamit does at point guard if they ask him to play point because I think that is where they are probably weakest right now apart from someone that's going to back up Zubots obviously Jermichael Green bring him in anything he's a little small Trez can play the 5-2, but I think you need someone in there that can be a rim protector. But what's interesting, though, is Andre Iguodala is neither of those. And I think the Clippers are interested in him as well. Uh, But he's someone that can defend, obviously, four different positions. So the Clippers have one spot open, I believe. And I'll be curious to see where they go with that spot. A couple of good rookies as well. But this will be a team that will be fun to watch. Very deep. Uh, I think training camp will be interesting to see who's starting and how these guys look on the bench, because like I said with Brian, obviously you got Harkless, you got Magruder, you have Lou, you have Trez, you have Jamichael Green, you have possibly Shamit, all those guys possibly coming off the bench. It'll be interesting to see how this team works out, but there really is no one I would rather have in charge of this team than Doc Rivers. This guy put together what I think was his best coaching job last year with a team of no names. You trade away Blake Griffin, you trade away Tobias Harris, and he continues to win over the last couple of years. A tremendous coaching job by Doc. Boy, oh boy, this is going to be a fun season. That'll do it for the first episode. Hope you enjoyed it. We will talk to you on Twitter, and also we'll talk to you coming up. We'll have more, obviously, throughout this offseason, and then when October hits, Full steam ahead. We have an incredible show lined up throughout the year. I'm Brandon Marcus saying so long. We'll talk to you next time. This has been another Hoopball Clips Fantasy Podcast. This has been a Hoopball presentation.